you now for the Word of God. Open it and speak to us through it and uh, change us, Lord. It's my prayer that each one of us would be changed, not only every time we open it, but especially this hour as we hear the voice of God through the Spirit of God through Scripture. May you feed our faith, grow us in confidence in our trust in you as we wait upon you, be strong and take heart. That's right, our problem is we worry we're fearful, we fret, we're afraid, uh, we're anxious, we're uncertain. May we wait on the Lord and be of good cheer. Wait, be strong in the Lord. Feed us, Lord, that we might grow muscles of faith, that we would be the soldiers of the cross that we ought to be as we enter uh, into the world, as we leave this place, and throughout the rest of the week. May the light of the gospel radiate in us as we as we lean upon you. Thank you so much. Bless us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, uh, Cody, for that uh, good reading uh, of of the word. Uh, Take your Bible, look back at Psalm 19. We're going to uh, continue to look at that today. Uh, We saw that last week. I've entitled uh, the sermon, uh, an expression that came from uh, uh, my old esteemed colleague, Dr. Uh, Jim Boyce, who's now in heaven a colleague, colleague in the ministry, that is, uh, the little book. The big book last week, uh, God's Voice in Creation. And uh, this week, uh, as the David unfolds his psalm, it's the little book. It's the little book. When you think of uh, the things that you treasure, and don't we all treasure some things? We do. Some, we all treasure some things. Some, some of you ladies, little knickknacks. You do these little collection and all that stuff, and you moan and groan when they get dusty, and you have to clean them all off, and you're like, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. My mother used to collect uh, cranberry glass. She loved cl- cranberry glass and would put it in all the window panes, and when the sun finally shone in Buffalo, it would come through. And uh, she'd say the, the cranberry glass was special, and that was smelted with gold. I don't know, I just learned that as a little kid. I don't know the process, but it was beautiful, all the uh, cranberry glass that she had. And, uh, and tre- some of you treasure your, your animals, your pets, your parakeet. I don't know, maybe a frog. Some of us treasure our grandchildren, don't we? Kids are okay, but grandkids are great. Amen? Five of us, okay. All right, that's okay. I won't tell them. You know, we we treasure we treasure different things. So you treasure your car. Don't get near my car in the parking lot. You know, I've seen you. You park in two spots right in the middle. You know, and that uh, brings out the sin nature and some people around it when they see that. Like, yeah, we'll teach that guy a thing or two, right? We treasure. Well, I'm just saying, when when you think of the things that you treasure, and we all treasure something, there ought to be one thing that's near the top of your list. I hope that you treasure your Bible. I do. I hope that you love your Bible and that when it's all said and done, if the Lord tarries and you're in bed and you're dying, right? And I have the joy to be there. Notice you're dying and I'm there. Notice the order there. You know, you're going to have your Bible right next to you. You will. And uh, you'll have read it and it'll be near you on the, on, the, on the stand, maybe in bed next to you. Uh, it's your Bible. It's God's wonderful treasure. Uh, some say you treat your Bible like you treat the Lord Jesus. That's not too bad. Not, uh, that's not to say that some, I know some, even Faithy's dad at points, got distracted in the church parking lot and drove away with a Bible on the roof of the car. 
You know, it doesn't mean you put Jesus up there or anything like that. But uh, the way you treat your Bible, God's wonderful. We're from cover to cover, and even the maps teach us of Jesus. It's a treasure. People died that we might have this in English. You know, it's the number one bestseller. You, you won't see that. Some of you look at New York Times and you like to read and all that. You'll never see it there. Never see it there. And then what they concluded was that it's the number one bestseller every single week, forever, it seems. So they don't include it there. They always go number two, but they call number two number one because it would be the Bible every single week. Bible and then, you know, Grisham's next novel, right? Or all of that. Bible now, now we know that. And they don't even show it there. Bestseller. And that's what I'm going to read. I gave you this little copy. I carry these in my Bible, wrote it in an old Bible. We've traveled together, my Bible and I, through all kinds of weather, with smile and with sigh, in sorrow or sunshine, in tempest or calm, thy friendship unchanging, my lamp and my psalm. We've traveled together, my Bible and I, when life has grown, grown weary and death even was nigh. But all through the darkness of mist or of wrong, I found there a solace, a prayer, and a song. So now who shall part us? That is, my Bible and I. Shall isms and schisms or new lights? Who try? Shall shadow of substance or stone for good bread supplant thy sound wisdom? Give folly instead? Ah, no, my dear Bible, exponent of light. Thou sword of the spirit, put air to flight, and still through life's journey until my last sigh, we'll travel together, my Bible and I. Isn't that wonderful? I love that so much. The treasure of the word of God. Now I have on your sheet, it's my prayer that you feed your faith every single day with it. You need to eat, you need to feed your soul. I've taught my kids that for years. Did you eat today? Yes. Did you read your Bible? No. You didn't feed your faith. What's the matter with you? Seven days without Bible reading makes one week. W-E-A-K. Not week, E-E-K. Week. I know it's true because it's true in my life, and I'm not any different than you, right? Read your Bible. Daily, hide it in your heart, memorize it, and read it so often that you wear it out. Wear your Bible out. Wear it out. I'm convinced if you use it daily, you probably got maybe the way they make them today, five years. And it'll be, oh, there goes John, chapter one. <laughs> I'll pick it up, put it back in. The bindings don't last for. Wear it out. And you know the expression, I think, I, yeah, I have it on your sheet. A worn out Bible probably belongs to a life that isn't. How about that? Simple, right? We're not making rocket ships. And my job as a pastor or teacher is just to constantly remind us of the most important things. I'm not the role of your mother, but your mother did that, right? Right? Put your raincoat on, put your boots on, wear a hat, wear a good, and all this. And I'm like, oh, mom, I never knew that. You know, like, eh, all the time, right? All the time, all the time. And, and I, we just need to be reminded. Well, last time, we heard God's glorious voice in creation. It shouts uh, his presence and his power, you know, as we ask, as we read that, that opening verse there, the heavens declare, are declaring the glory of God. We said the essence of the Hebrew word is shouting, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And, and we ask ourselves, what kind of God could 
and would make all of this. This just staggers the mind as right well it should. And it has one message, God says. I'm great and you're not. Get the message? That's it. That's the God of creation. I'm really here and this is really mine and I even made you. Wow. It's utterly amazing. And yet we ended up by saying, as great as it is, it's limited. The big book of creation is limited. You can look at the clouds all day long. You can walk through the woods. Some say, I worship God on the golf course. But if that's it, you'll never be saved. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. You'll never hear the gospel. Even that farmer, that I love to cite that, where the PC in the cloud. Preach Christ. Or is it plant corn? It's limited. You don't get the gospel by looking at creation. There's enough to judge and condemn you, Roman 1, but there's not enough to save you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. People need to hear the gospel and, and so on. So here's the second volume of God's revelation. And, uh, and Boyce called it, and I love it, so I use it, the little book. Whereas creation, note this, shouts his glory what a great and glorious God, the little book shouts and proclaims his grace. The glory of creation, the glory of the glory of a God that would make this, creation shouts. The book, the little book, the Bible, it declares not his glory, yes it does, but his grace, his saving grace. And that's the point you need to, to have a firm handle on as, uh, as you grow in your Christian life. It declares his grace. Dave, uh, David ended this well-known psalm telling you the wonder of this little book and what a wonderful treasure indeed it is. Now, <clears throat> there are six descriptions in our text this morning uh, of God's word. And this is a good example of Hebrew po parallelism. Some of you you took poetry and go like, oh, I suffered through that. I didn't even know what they were talking about. You know, rose of the red, violet of blue. Now your face is funny. And I won't say it. My brother said it. Anyway, but those little things, those little, like I hate it. This is a good example of Hebrew poetry. There, he's going to say six statements. He's going to describe it. And he's going to say the effect of it, uh, of, of God's wonderful word in our life. And so I didn't want to make it seem like a machine gun shooting this. We can't stop and camp out. But notice what he is saying in verses 7 eight and nine as he describes the wonder of God's wonderful book, this little book. And so a six-fold description of God's word unfolding its life-changing power in your life and mine. This book is powerful. Now, how, how many of you have memorized that Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing even to the, to the marrow and the bones? It's the word of God. It's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's amazing how God uses his word to draw men and women to saving faith. And here David's going to describe this little book, the law of the Lord, the scriptures, and there it is. He calls it the law, the testimony, precepts, commandments, the fear of the Lord, and rules. As you look at 7, 8, and 9 of Psalm 19. Let's just go back and look at verse 7. Cody read this. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul, there's the first description. The law being perfect revives our soul. The word perfect here doesn't mean to be without sin. My brother and I used to say that of my sisters because they were pretty good, you know, pretty good, 
goody, goody two-shoes, and sometimes we were always in the doghouse, and you think you're so good, you think you're so good, and that we were just not good. My brother said, you think you're perfect, this kind of thing. That's not what it means here. It means complete. And the, and the, and the Hebrew word here is something that's perfect is finished or complete. Uh, being complete means that it covers every aspect of life. That is the word of God and the law is not just the Ten Commandments. It's just another reference for all of Scripture here that it's complete. It covers every aspect of life. You wouldn't come to me and say, Pastor, I need an appointment. Uh, you know, I've got this whole area of my life. I've searched the word and I can't find anything that the Scriptures help me on. And I go like, what are you reading? It touches everything area of life. It gives general commands, principles, wisdoms, and then, and then as we seek the Lord, get counsel, we apply it in particular. It covers everything in our work, our school, our study, our neighborhood, our marriage, uh, with our children, uh, with life and death and, and issues of the heart issues of government, issues of warfare, all of it. It's all contained, it's complete, it's perfect, it's complete in the Word of God. It's the all-sufficient revelation of God. There's no volume two. I told you, we used to get uh, Encyclopedia Britannica when I was a kid, and every year they come up with an annual update. In essence, I could hardly read it. It was, I was like eight, and this is on a college postgraduate level. And essence said, remember that stuff we wrote last year? Yeah. Well, we were wrong on most of it. Here's the update. You never get like volume two. Thank you for the Holy Bible. Volume two, Lord, all the correction. Book of Mormon, notwithstanding. Okay? This is it. This is God's wonderful word. And the end of it, in case you're wondering, look what God says. Don't add a single thing to it and don't take anything from it. You're going to be in deep trouble. That's how he closes chapter 22 of the very last chapter of this book. It's complete. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or one tittle of my word. Now look at the, look at the sun. We like, there it is. That's going to fall out of the sky you know, phenomenological language, appearance-wise, before we lose John 3, or John 10, or Matthew 16, or Psalm 19. That's going to fall. The moon is going to go somewhere. Oh, that'll go for, yes, that's how dependable the word of God. It's perfect. It covers every area. It's sufficient for life and godliness. So, uh, B, it, no, matter, no matter what our sins uh, are, or might have been, and there's a whole bunch, right? How many times do you think you've sinned? Think you've sinned like five times? How about five million times? How about back the dump truck up? Here it comes. Mm -hmm. How about that's before salvation? How about after salvation? Whole bunch, right? Yeah, I would God's, I would sometimes wonder why God would save us. But we're his project. I remind the Lord that a lot. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm your project, Lord. <laughs> He makes us both willing to do and uh, will and to do of his pleasure. Uh, he's still working on me and you too. So uh, no matter what our sins are, might have been, or problems are, and don't we have those, the Bible is able to turn us from our sins. Thank you, Lord. Lead us through our problems. Oh, I need that. And both feed and enrich us so that we're able to enjoy the full benefits of spiritual life. Uh, Boyce talks at length at that. And Jesus affirmed that, right? Remember the temptation in Matthew 4 when he's approached by Satan and he quotes Deuteronomy, man does not live by bread alone. Not by bread alone. He doesn't mean other sort of things on the table. Yeah, that's right, I like salad and me too. No, 
He meant the staff of life. No, there's something more important. He lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's the sufficiency of Scripture. They're complete. It's all that we need for life and for godliness. The Scriptures are penetrating, warm, and life-giving. They revive the soul. Isn't it? Isn't this what our soul needs every single day? I do. We live in a world that's a broken world like ours. You know, it's, our hearts get broken. They get uh, soiled. We sin. And we get discouraged, we get off the way, even as believers. And uh, my heart needs revival every day. And, and it's, I use it, to, I wear it out, but it's like the guitar, right? It's like the guitar in my study. I may tune it at night, and something happens. Something comes into my study, and it puts it out of tune in the morning. I don't know what it is. thing is, that it's, I can't play C, and it sounds horrible. I don't know if the neck or the arm or the thing is weak on a thing, and it just, or it just loosens there. But it's just, it's got to be tuned up again. That's my heart every day. I look at that and it reminds me my heart needs to be revived every day and the scriptures are the only thing. It's not going to the why. It's not working out at the club. It's not working. I, these things are okay in their place. But it's my heart, the fires. You got to stir up. Paul wrote to Timothy, the gift that's within you, the tendency of a fire is to go out. Stir it up. And it's the word of God that warms my heart and brings me to where I ought to be. Well, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And 7b, so the testimony, number two, being sure makes wise, makes us wise. What? In the word of God, God shares his wisdom. Have you ever taken bad advice? Like, I thought that guy was right. He gave me terrible advice. It was like, that was the dumbest thing. Why did I invest in that? Not what Greg and Mark did today. That's a good thing. But, <laughs> but going, that was the dumbest thing I did. Why did I take that advice? Listen, in the Word of God, the Ancient of Days says, you want to know how to live? Let me share with you wisdom. Yeah, listen to my Word. You're going to make a thousand decisions today. So most of them very small, some bigger. You know, and one decision leads to another. Have you ever noticed that? It is. One decision leads to another, whether it's a bad one or a good one. And uh, he says, I'll the counsel of the word of God. I'll counsel you with my scripture. The, the testimony, the word of God is sure, makes wise the simple. To say that the Bible is sure means that it's trustworthy and that it corresponds to reality. Not some of that kooky religious stuff out there that's in like, out here like what world do you live in what dimension the word of god is real and it calls it the way it is and even even men and women who are godly it shows them falling all over the place in their sin and yet god still works with them and deals with them the the wonderful word and the word that world that god made is reflected in this scripture he's the author of both listen every person born begins as simple. Did you know that? Simple Bible teaching and Hebrew mindset. You say, nah, I'm offended by that, Pastor. You're calling me a simpleton. No, I didn't say that. We all start out as simple when you read the Hebrew uh, poetic literature, Proverbs. All right? Now, depending what you do with God's wisdom will mean that you'll grow in wisdom using God's word to counsel and guide you to make better choices, or you'll go like, mm, no, I know more than you, God. I'm going this way, and you'll become a fool, a moron. Moros, good Greek word, moron, you'll become a moron. And bit by bit by bit, you'll evidence wise choices 
or foolish choices, depending if you build your life upon the trustworthiness of the word of God, where God says, look, you can go your way, or I'll share you the right way, and if you do it my way, guess what? You'll be blessed. What's that mean? You're going to have joy. Now, it doesn't mean you won't have tears and disappointment, brokenness. That's life as it is now, but you'll have lots of it. Life can be hard, but you can make it harder by going against the counsel of God's word. Do it my way in your life. There'll be a smile, there'll be joy, your heart will be warm in the midst of the sea of this life as it is. That's what we saying. The testimony of God being sure, it makes us wise. I pray for that. I want to grow in wisdom. The fool thinks himself to be too, I'm too wise to adhere to God's wisdom. Uh, I, you know, and then in time, he'll just show himself to be a fool. A fool. Well, if we follow the direction of the book, we'll find salvation. That's the reviving of our soul for sure. Contentment, I know that that's true. I know when it's not content, and I know the difference, and I know what causes it. It causes joy. I love joy. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, surprised by joy. That when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, he just never counted on the fact that there would be the God would share his utter felicity and joy with us. There's a joy there among Christians that the world knows nothing of. When we were in Israel a number of years ago, Dottie, you may, you may remember that. Mark, I don't know if it was the time we were, But we were in Pilate's house. We were in uh, uh, Caiaphas's house in the dungeon there, so-called, where they had locked Jesus that, that night. They arrested him. And uh, as what you do, you go to these spots and you read Scripture as this is, this is what took place at this area or in the vicinity of this area. It wasn't this exact spot. And then you sing. And we would sing a song, you know, and you have a lot of others that are coming behind, and they're sort of waiting to get into that, that special spot there. And we left, and people said to me after we sang, they go, are you a choir? I go like, oh, no, no, we're not. A, and I'm leading, right? Uh, for sure, no. Uh, no, we're not a choir. Wow, you sound so joyful, and it sounds so beautiful. I said, well, we just have a song in our heart. There's a joy there. I love the joy of being a Christian. That's the thing. When I choose to go the wrong way and I sin, I lose that joy, and I hate it. I hate it. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a downcastness in my spirit, and, and, and it's just, it's the loss of that until I come back and God brings me to, till I'm reconciled and my heart is right and where it ought to be, the joy, and the joy that God gives and the, through the wisdom making good choices is just, just wonderful. It's so wonderful it is. It's wonderful, you know. Since we're all simple to begin with, we need to have a good Christian education program for our children to teach our children all that. I mean, we live in such a stupid day. I mean, some of you remember the song, you know, like, uh, have the, let the children lead them. Is that insane or what? Some of you can hear the, and let the, they'll sing that at the Olympics. I remember that last time around or time before, something about let the children lead us. That's a prescription for idiocy. They have no wisdom. They have no experience. What are they, sort of good innocents who are going to lead us into the promised land? That's insane. They start simple. If they hear the word, they grow in wisdom. It's the foundation of life, God's wisdom. Look, any builder, Mike could tell us, any builder, some of you know by experience, the most important part of any building is the what? It's the foundation. You don't even see it. But if you don't have it right, guess what? You may just lose your living room. 
Where did grandma go? I don't know. She went down. <laughs> the foundation. It's the word of God, the wisdom of God that gives us the foundation to build our life upon the rock. And when the storms come, and they're coming, right, the foolish man doesn't. The wise man does upon the rock who is Christ and his wonderful word. Wow. Well, the third, precepts. The third description of God's word in verse 8 of our psalm. The precepts being right cause our hearts to rejoice. Being right does not mean being correct here in the Hebrew sense as opposed to wrong. Rather, it means uh, being straight as opposed to being crooked, right? Have you ever dealt with someone who's crooked? That crook, that crooked guy. <laughs> we understand that because there's a lot around, right? But straight. I used to have a beloved professor who would just laugh and say, well, what's sanctification? Sanctification simply means make the first right and go straight. Go straight. <laughs> like, oh, that's not bad. I can, I, can, I can even understand that one, you know. The precepts being right or straight, they cause the heart to rejoice. This overlaps a little bit what I said last time about the joy that we have. But rather, here, it's, David tells us that by living and walking the straight path brings joy. Now, Spurgeon thought there was, there was progression here in these first three. That is, the, the, the law of the Lord revives. That, he saw that as conversion. And then the second one, and he, he, he's probably right on this. He's smarter than me for sure, particularly now he's in heaven, right? And the second, the testimonies being sure make us wise. There's the second. And third, that results in joy, the rejoicing of the heart. And uh, isn't that wonderful? God provides a sweet bliss that floods our souls with joy. And, you know, we evidence that with a happy spirit, and we evidence that with a song. Do you find yourself singing a song? I, I find myself humming most of the day. I love to sing to the Lord and make melody in my heart, with my heart, to the Lord. There should be a song in your heart. I don't care if your voice is horrible. Maybe it is. But make a song. There should be a joy in your heart that just wants to spill out. While you're driving and, 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 and while you're, you know, I sing best in the shower. I don't know why the music, the, the, that probably no one's around and you belt it out. And, and so but a song and joy, what? From the precepts of God's word, the joy. You know, you see it in life. How many times do we say it? This un, uh, undisciplined, disobedient children are not happy children. You we see it on their faces. There's a, there's a heaviness about their continence. You know, and you go like, that child's disturbed, you know, and uh, with all the disturbing things going on in, in, in the schools and, and in the malls, and there you go like, there's a, dis in, in the light of the gospel, when you're fill filling your soul with the God's wonderful word, the precept causes your heart to rejoice. You just <laughs> bust open and sing. That's one of the great things when we come together and sing as a, as a body of Christ, you know. We hear each other, and we, we, it's just beautiful. The precepts are straight. Well, the fourth description, the commandments being pure, they give light to our eyes. This is easy to understand, for as light allows us to see with our eyes, so the Bible provides us with light to know the path our lives should, should take, to go forward without stumbling uh, uh, fumbling all over the place, you know. Otherwise, we keep hitting the potholes. And have you noticed? Yeah, sometimes we just keep hitting them over and over again. 
up in Buffalo, when I grew up there, there were a lot of potholes in the winter because it would thaw and snow and ice and, 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 and the potholes. And I lost more than one front end of my car uh, when I planted it in the pothole and I hit it again. And the, and the mechanic said, I had, a, I had an old car at that point, he said, yeah, you lost your upper ball joint. I said, what's that? <laughs> I don't know, but did you hit a pothole? Yeah, I did. Well, people, it's one thing you hit a pothole with your car. It's another one to keep hitting it in life. I keep, oh, it's so much fun. I like pain, you know? And the Word of God, you see, it provides a light. So you're like, whoa, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to go God's way and, uh, and honor him, whether I can understand it or not. It's not for me. I don't even name, rank, and maybe Social Security. I'm going to trust God and, and, and ask him to order my life according to the Word of God. This is for me. This is what I want. This is part of this abundant living. And so he gives light to us. The light of the word also purges out the darkness that's within it. We're born sinners and lost. And it purges it out, allowing us to see without distortion. Uh, 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 Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. One of the great things today are these little powerful flashlights. Do you have those? <laughs> I came home with one the, uh, the other, I think it was last year. Uh, they, I, when I went over, we lost power. Uh, I don't know what was happening there with PPNL, but I face it. Well, let me go see if we can get some flashlights at Home Depot. So I went over there, and they were all gone. I had a few went, but they had a couple high-intensity ones, and I go like, and they were like, they'll take your firstborn for it. Well, what are you gonna do? You gotta do it. So I bought. <laughs> so I come home. This thing is so great. I'm shining into my neighbor's, look at that, I can see their bedroom wall, it's blue, across, the, that thing is powerful. It's no wonder I read somewhere that if you start doing this to the pilots, they're going to find you and you're going to jail because uh, that laser light, the, those are great, don't be doing that. But I mean, those are terrific. That beats the old Boy Scout light with the double Ds I used to, the D batteries. <laughs> Wow. Well, something far greater than that is the God's lampy. It's, it shines. You ever walk through the woods? You know, here, we're walking through. There, up, oh, there it is. Uh, you know, I can see. Thank you, Lord. That's what the Word of God uh, does uh, for, for me. And it purges out the dark, distortion, perverted thinking in my own heart. Isn't it great to have a light in this dark world to show us the way to go, the light? Don't you love light? God dwells in light. God is light. Jesus is the light of the world. Light, right? Helps us. We can be easily afraid, right? All little boys are afraid. Did you know that? They're all little, like, scared, scaredy cats. And they, you know, at night, when you say goodnight to them, go, Dad, can you keep the light on? Well, why? Well, the boogeyman's in the closet. You know, like, yeah, no, I checked. He, no, he's under the bed. Can you leave the light on? Can you leave the hallway on the pleased that what the light we love the, the light why we so we can you know see and see clearly and the word of god is that it gives light to our eyes it's, it's so great daddy leave the light on the number five the fear of the lord being clean endures forever god calls his word uh, in a little different uh, sense in the parallelism here the fear of the lord uh, you know corrupt things decay did you know that Corrupt things decay. I, I learned this as a kid because uh, when you have seven kids in our family and, and the groceries, wow, they go out the door. We, 
my mother would buy gallons of milk and bottles of peanut butter, you know, Peter Pan and jelly, and we grew up eating all that stuff, you know. And then if we we got tuna fish, and then I learned one thing about mayonnaise. Um, <clears throat> you always use a clean utensil with mayonnaise. And if you double dip in mayonnaise and put, the, you're in trouble. The whole thing goes bad because you put impurities into this thing and uh, you were in deep trouble in our home because you took food out of your brother's mouth or something. <laughs> but I learned that impure, well, what's going on? I just put it in there and I had a little peanut butter on it or a tuna, a little piece of tuna hunk in the open. Like, How come it's all black? You know, cor uh, corrupt things decay. We know that in the medical world, don't we? We know that we, Faithy, you got a guy's got to scrub up when you go see your babies there. And then, and then the, the, the shield of that, they don't, they don't dare. That when they do surgery, right, they're like, oh, I didn't really clean up today, but yeah, I just cut them open, you know. Like, you're, you're, in, you're in deep trouble. I mean, Greg tells us, you know, with all the, uh, I love Larry because he's got all that, that, that ointment, you know, you wash your hands and, and it, it get, kills all the germs on it. We were walking to Children's Hospital, Faithy and I, and Greg, <laughs> we're going in to see our little granddaughter, and he goes like, you know what's the most unsanitary place in the whole hospital? I go like, I don't know, the men's room? I don't know, that's always a good guess, right? No, he said, underneath that dispenser where everyone's putting their hand, <laughs> it's a, that thing is filled with all sorts of staff and everything else. I go like, ooh, yuck, I don't wanna. What, we know that impurity corrupts. Corrupt things decay. The word of God is entirely clear by con uh, pure by contrast, being without any deficiency, error, fault, inadequacy, it alone with, the word, with God himself who spoke it is the most enduring thing that has ever been, ever been, the word of God. It, it endures forever. It's clean. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not my word, Jesus said. Today, today, right, people have been brainwashed. Is that too strong? I don't think so. I don't think so. People have been brainwashed to think uh, the, that all truth is relative. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I know. That's the postmodern way of thinking. And uh, it, 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 absolutely, uh, incidentally, Alan Bloom wrote in his uh, best-selling book, The Closing of the American Mind, uh, literature professor at University of Chicago, not too many years ago, he's now dead, but he wrote it as uh, the freshman would come to the University of Chicago, and they do all the pre-testing and all that, this was the only thing that he could guarantee and count on. That the public school, which really doesn't do a whole lot of excellent teaching in a lot of areas and gets a lot of criticism, they do an exceptionally well job at this. Every student coming in is completely convinced that truth is relative. That there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is relative. They say that like it's the gospel. And they say it absolutely. And in their own mouths, they're contradicting their whole position. They're making a propositional statement of absolute, saying that everything is all relative. And he began to tear all that apart. But it's true. We live in that world. That's our, uh, this idea of truth, uh, that nothing is certain. And today, the sign of a really edu educated man or woman, you know, uh, he's got a PhD or she's got it in this or that or something, something the size of a postage stamp, right? 
And the, sci the mark of an educated person is, don't really know for sure. Thank you for that. You should get a refund, you know, if that's the, don't really know for sure. It could change any moment. Don't know anything. It's all particulars, no absolute. And that's what they, that's, that's our world. And it's mush. And it's brainwashing. And I see it. I run into it all the time. There's nothing more, this is nothing more than a satanic attempt to keep people from the truth of God's word. God's truth is absolute. Why? It's grounded in the character of God who's unchanging and eternal. It's just an old trick of Satan. Remember what he said in Genesis 3? What's the first thing he approached Adam and Eve on? Did God really say? Did God really say? He questioned the revealed word of God to Adam and Eve, and now we're in this heap of trouble uh, because of it. Well, the last, and we're out of time, the rules of the Lord being true, Warn and reward. How about that? They warn us of sin and its harmful effects. I said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But sometimes we do it, don't we? Don't stick your finger in the fire, a mother will say, or say to her boy. Well, why not, Mom? Why not? Whoa. Oh, I see. Oh, I got a blister there. Right? And we do, don't go near the edge. I remember... Uh, growing up in Niagara County, there in Niagara Falls, we go down to the falls, and there's the railing there. And every now and then, you'd hear about people jumping. You know, oh, I feel drawn into the falls. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? You know, like this. But my my, they have all these little Z kids down there. And my mother like, stay back, stay back away from the railing, ten feet. Ed, I want them back ten feet from the railing. And we're like, yeah, my brother, like, oh, come on, there's a railing. We want to go see and hang over and look at the the cataracts, right? Stay back. Well, she just loved us to warn us. That's what the Word of God is. It warns us. It warns us. Sowing and reaping. What a man or woman sows, they'll reap. Don't be surprised by that. It's like the principle of farming. Be careful. Be warned. Be warned. Why? They warn us against the lies of the world. Do you think the world lies? <laughs> you better believe it. Look at the stuff coming down Main Avenue now. And now they're legislating evil. Woe unto them to call evil good and good evil, Isaiah said. The world lies through their teeth. We need the, these warnings from God's word as the world is clever and per pervasive, and it's only the Bible that can stand against it. The man or woman with a Bible says, and that's not right. And people need to know that or they're going to destroy their lives and their loved ones and, and, and won't pretty well know what in the world happened as it blows up and there's body parts all over the place. It's the word of God that warns us, and I'm so grateful for that. Each of you have a car, and in the glove compartment, there's a, there's a manufacturer's um, a book in there that's, uh, that auto manual says what to do on it. And sometimes there are little sections, I notice, where they offset it and even different highlight the Warning! Do change the oil, you know? Don't let it go three, five, five thousand miles. You, you're going to have a problem. Look, we made the thing. We know how it works. You want it. We want you to enjoy it. And the other things, right? That's God's word. This is the manual. This is the manual for life. This little book teaches of the grace of God, and we need that warning. It not only does it warn, but finally, it rewards us. The keeper of the law, the Bible says here in Psalm 19, 9 through 11, is rewarded. 
is rewarded. The old writers would say, goodness is itself joyous, or virtue is its own reward. I would teach my, my boys as they're going, doing a job well done is its own reward. It has its own joy. We did that. We did that well. Yes. Whether anyone sees it or not. Well, life is like that. Goodness and virtue has its own reward. Though the ungodly do not think so, and those that do not know Christ, the upright are actually blessed in their uprightness. And if nothing else, they're sleeping better at night. They are. They're sleeping better at night. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord. Well, the book, the book, the little book is like no other book. Look at uh, so what. So we say, so what? How does this apply? What difference should this make in my life? Quickly, look at, look at the, just these four. The one characteristic that these six terms have in common is this. Despite all their differences, the small differences in meaning, they all portray the Bible as words that are to be obeyed. All of them, all of them, they're words to be obeyed. It's not a smorgasbord. It's all laid out. You can, God says, you can take this or that or pass by this or that. You know, one of, the, one of these things, you know. Uh-uh, it's not optional. It's not like pizza. I'll take anchovies, skip the pepperonis, this and that. It, no, it's not optional. You, the, the bare minimum, common denominator, these are the word of God is given by God to be obeyed because they're God's word. It's not optional. Let it guide your life. Number two, daily walk with the Lord by reading his wonderful word. Daily, every single day. If you're eating and filling your face, eating, Fill your soul, and even do that maybe sooner than that. Fill your mind and soul with it, and its power will change you for the better, I promise. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Bunyan once said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Well said. You look through some of my old Bibles, right on the inside of it. I wrote that when I was in high school. I was like, that is golden. That's right, not the golden, golden, uh, uh, whatever that is, I can't think now, golden, golden rule, but it's not far off, right? This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Number three, listen to the voice of Scripture as it tells of God's grace and his love for us. People need the Lord, therefore they need to hear the Bible as God tells the only solution. They're not other ones. There's only one for our sin problem, and that he solved the problem. You ever take a math class? You couldn't solve the problem. You went to the brainiac in the math class and said, you got to help me. I can't get the solution to this problem. God, look, the greatest problem of all, uh, God solved it. He solved it. He took it upon himself by sending his own son to the cross to die in your place and mine and for all who will believe. Number four, just ask. Ask every week. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Today is the day. Paul said in Corinthians, today is the accepted time. Today, come to Christ just as you are, and God will receive you and save you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, the big book, Psalm 19, 1 to 6. And the little book, 7 through 14, of the same song, gloriously teach that uh, God's glory, but more than that, God's grace 
And don't we love our Bibles? Oh, at the beginning of this year, I wanted to include this to encourage you in your Bible reading and your study that we'll grow in grace. We won't even recognize each other at the end of the year and say, like, Terry, is that still you? Why, has it changed so much? And I say the same thing to you, Gregory and Maggie and Faithy and Carol. And do we say all this? Is Yes, God has changed me. And the only thing, he's changed me through his wonderful, wonderful, what a treasure. Let's stand and be dismissed, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you for the wonderful word, and may we hide it in our heart and serve you all our days and and let it shine upon our path and guide us in our hearts. We love you so, Father. People need the Lord. They need to hear the word. And may we learn to discipline daily, feed ourselves the scriptures. Meet with us in our brokenness and our need of wisdom and direction. Uh, Meet with us, Lord, as we share the love of Christ with others, and we'll thank you for it. Oh, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for your great patience, uh, and goodbye.